0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We talk today to Tony Sage, he's the chairman of European Lithium. We discussed the supply and demand arguments for Lithium in the market. He gives us an insight into his strategy for survival or growth depending on market conditions. Plus we talked to him about the financing for the project and at what point it becomes economic. And we also note that they're listed on multiple exchanges and we find out which ones work and which ones don't. Good morning Tony, how are you sir? Very good, thank you. Fantastic. Now you're, you're in Perth at the moment.
1: I'm in Perth, Western Australia. Nice and sunny day. To very he- happy here.
0: Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Um, so, Tony, why don't you kick off, give us a 1-minute summary on the business and then we'll get, it, get into it.
1: Very difficult to talk about this unique project in one minute, but I'll give it a go. Um, this uh, mine was developed by the Austrian government back in the 80s. They were looking for Uranium, found Lithium. Uh, unlike any Western company, uh, they actually went out and built the mine straight away without doing all of the work uh, that is required before you start uh, building a mine. Um, so, they built it. Uh, there's over one and a half kilometres of attics already built. What they did is they followed the lithium from the ceiling of the opening and just followed it all the way down. It is a beautiful structure inside the mine. Um, but unfortunately, when we took over in 2012, there wasn't data to prove how they found it. So, what we've done in the six years that we've uh, owned it is uh, mine it. For, uh, so, we did mine 1,500 tonnes. Uh, and we also drilled. So that proved as all Western companies need is a Jork compliant resource. So we know we've got 11 million tonnes of ore there. That will last 22 years uh, as a mine life. Um, and uh, we completed uh, in that time frame a PFS. So a pre-feasibility study has been complete. It was completed by one of the leading engineering groups in the world who did do lithium, uh, DRA. So in a very concise one one point something minutes there, that's basically the premise of our story.
0: Okay, so if we may, can I get um, into how this has come about? Now you're you're involved with Cape Lambert as well. Cape Lambert's a shareholder in this project. Can you just talk us about a little bit about the background of how this came about? It's a, it's a very very interesting background. It started
1: off with a cocktail party. Uh, uh, one of my uh, colleagues uh, met the count uh, of that district in Austria uh, near Wolfsburg, uh, and uh, they got talking. And uh, he introduced himself. He was in mining, and the count said, "Well, I've got a mine on my property," um, and that's where it started. So, uh, in two thousand and twelve, um, we went and had a look at it mm-hmm. and uh, invested uh, in that uh, in his property. So. We paid him a a lot of money for uh, access. And then over time, he enjoyed what Mm -hmm. we were doing and became a shareholder of the company. Um, I didn't have the funds myself personally, so I used my investment vehicle, Cape Lambert Resources, and we invested uh, some money in. And since then, we've got other investors in. But that's how it started. Um, In 2012, Lithium wasn't flavour of the month. In 2016, it became flavour of the month. So, we kept it private for 4-years and then we listed it on the uh, Australian Stock Exchange uh, back in 2016-17. Now if I go back in history, did I make a mistake? I think I did. At the time, Lithium was exploding around the world. But in Australia, there's 41 separate ASX listed Lithium companies at Mm. the time. And a lot of those were in Australia, uh, and some of those were in Africa, and obviously some in South America. So, we were being drowned out by all of the Australian ones. So, if you're an Australian investor and you say I want to operate a mine in Austria, they will just say you're crazy. I mean, Greenies um, mm. it just doesn't mining doesn't happen in Europe. So, by listing in Australia it was a, uh, a uh, an error of judgment at the time, but. We got the money, we listed and we were able to progress the project. But then in 2017, we listed it in Frankfurt, Hamburg, um, uh, Munich, Stuttgart and Berlin. And from that moment on, it exploded. Uh, The investor base moved from 100% Australian shareholders to now only 45% Australian shareholders to a 55% shareholding base in Europe. And most of those European shareholders are German or Austrian. There's a splattering in uh, UK, uh, France, Switzerland, but most of them come from uh, Germany and Austria. So we realised we hit on something extremely uh, good. Uh, If you look at uh, a lot of the social media, um, our company uh, is clicked uh, a lot more than some of the bigger companies in Europe because of our uh, number one EV. Number two, it's a unique story that a mine is going to be actually uh, reopened. 20 odd years later in, in, in a little country called Austria. So so it's been a fascinating background to the story when I first became involved.
0: Right. So so let's so let's talk about, well, let's get onto that bit first. I do want to talk about the management team's experience and so forth, but um, you, you're talking about shareholder and the split between Europe and ASX. Obviously it's a European a- asset, so um, you'd hope that people would be interested in Europe. But. Just looking at your share price, you lithium companies across the world have been absolutely hammered. The share price, in fact, what is what is lithium at? What's the what's the price at the moment?
1: Well, it just depends which one you're talking about. Where what we're going to produce is lithium hydroxide. Uh, at its peak, was twenty two and a half yeah. thousand dollars a ton, and you're looking probably at fifteen 000, sixteen thousand dollars a ton now. So it's dropped a hell of a lot in the last yeah. twelve months. The actual raw lithium price, I think, got to just over 1, a thousand a ton it's probably trading at 450 to 500 a ton now so that's halved the hydroxide has gone down about 35% yeah
0: okay in,
1: in, over the last 12 months
0: okay and you you've, you've um, most of the numbers i've seen from you are you know at about 16,000 bucks is that right the way that yeah. you yeah so the economics are there so obviously that that's taken a bit of a hit forecast is well, what is the forecast? I've, I've read various things from J.P. Morgan suggests it's going to go lower. So, um, what do look, you think?
1: We, we we look at benchmark. We look at Roskill, but we also look at the broader um, um, broader world, if you like. I mean, China's just announced they want to build one thousand oh, sorry, one million electric buses. Now, you just think about the amount of lithium required for one million electric buses. So, forecasters when a big the, the, the slide started when uh, one of the biggest producers out of um, Chile said that they were going to double production because they had an agreement with the uh, uh, Chilean government to, yeah. to increase their yeah. it, it didn't happen. Now all the but that was the initial scare from that, that day that that was announced the lithium price actually fell about fifteen percent on the day. Lithium stocks all around the world uh, just went down 10, 15, 20 percent because they thought all this production was coming on. Number one, that production is not coming on. Uh, Number two, you've got countries like uh, China, uh, who are now announcing uh, that they're going to build one million electric buses. And now, there's not enough uh, lithium around today
0: to produce those one million buses in the timeframe they want. True, but you know the the, the price will go up. You're projecting that, okay? So I think, like most supply-demand stories, there's two sides to it, okay? So we accept that the demand is probably going to go up because the whole EV story. Okay. Um, but likewise, as soon as the demand goes up, new entrants come to market or people are, you know, production which is sitting idle at the moment or on a you know, very low level, it goes up. You know, again, JP Morgan would suggest that there's going to be double the amount of production out of South America alone into the marketplace. So that is going to affect pricing. Right, so it's a question of where it settles. So the production is not going to stay as is. That that would be insane. I think people will be attracted to come into the lithium market again. It's a question of can they do it economically. And we've swung to a, a lot of lithium businesses. Like you're right. I think ASX is a bit of a dirty word at the moment because people have lost. They're underwater. Let's put it like that. Um Correct. It's a question of. When does it start to move again? You're going to, get, you're going to get through this cycle into the next cycle. Can you get financed at current levels?
1: I think we can. Um, I, I wouldn't be um, pushing ahead of spending already 12 or 13 million on the pre feasibility study to spending another 10 on the definitive or bankable uh, unless I was very confident. We've been in discussions with project financiers, quite large ones, uh, European based. Uh, what you've got to understand uh, um, is the broader geopolitical situation. You've seen it now with rare earths. Mm-hmm. China has said to the world, we're not going to export any more rare earths. At the moment, China produces, I think, over 80% of the cobalt required for EVs and I think 85% of the lithium for EVs. Um, now, if they're going to build 1 million electric buses, and of course, with their cars and obviously um, um, battery storage, how much time do you think, or how many batteries do you think they'll be exporting in 10 years' time? So, the EU has made lithium and cobalt critical minerals. There's only a few players in Europe, as you probably know, uh, in our space that can produce in Europe. 25% of the world's lithium ends up in Europe. They produce none
0: at the moment for electric so, uh, batteries. Let me understand the terminology. You're saying critical, meaning that it needs to be produced from within, the, within Europe, or have they got the ability to go and buy out in the, the, the wider market?
1: Well, okay. Um, let's go into hydroxide and, and carbonate production. All comes from China. They have built one plant here mm-hmm. in Western Australia. Mm-hmm. Who owns it? The Chinese. At some point, like they have done with rare earths, they could say for their own critical needs that they can't export any more lithium hydroxide or um, for that matter, cobalt hydroxide or cobalt carbonate or lithium carbonate. At some point, it might not happen, but the security countries like America and Europe as a whole needs to have is some production in their own backyard. Ours isn't going to... Nowhere near create the supply that is needed by BMW, Volkswagen.
0: Right. Are, are data, you so against? Just to understand, are you saying that? Um, are you talking about production, or you're talking about processing?
1: I'm talking about production of lithium uh, hydroxide but, or carbonate
0: in Europe. Right, because it's a fairly abundant resource, isn't it? I mean, that's that's oh, kind of the problem, is, right? It
1: is, it is but uh, mining it economically. Well, yeah. is the key point right yeah so it is abundant everywhere so for example we, we, we just take uh, pilgrim minerals for example um, four weeks ago they were in big trouble they got rescued by the Chinese because the price has fallen down because they're in a remote location
0: hmm.
1: We're in Wolfsburg right near the railway line, 40 kilometers from Graz where Samsung have a battery factory. So we're in an industrial area in Europe where we can export to any country in Europe by train, for very little compared to having it from Australia sh- or South America shipping it to China to get produced mm. in China. And then China, all China does is buy it for 450 to 900 a tonne and sell it as hydroxide at 16,000 a tonne to battery makers in Europe. Okay. The EU have recognised that. They've recognised it with rare earths. They were scared by the rare earths uh, announcement by China from 2020, no more export. So they're madly, as with the Americans now, madly trying to find rare earths. But it's the same problem that will be with Lithium, hydroxide and carbonate. Forget the raw stuff. I mean, there isn't a plant in South There isn't a plant in Chile that produces hydroxide or carbonate. They ship the raw product to China to
0: get the hydroxide. So you're saying that Europe is coming up with these protectionist policies. To be able to produce and process their own lithium in their own backyard, versus Not buying
1: policies, encouraging policies, encouragement for European okay uh, mines to be able to produce hydroxide carbonate for the European market.
0: Well, that's what I'm getting. So it's an at. encouragement, an encouragement, and and again, we'll, I'll talk. We'll talk about the um, the funding program launched by the German Ministry, yeah. which you mentioned in there in a minute. But if I'm if I'm if I'm a giga, you know factory producing batteries, I'm going to go to the cheapest supplier, aren't I? I'm going to go to the South Americans, Correct. right? So what? So how do you stack up against that?
1: Well, number one, the freight cost. I mean, we're not uh, paying twenty-two to twenty-five dollars a ton to ship it from there to to Europe. Number one. Uh, number two. Uh, if you look at the and read our pre feasibility study, our cost structure is very, very good. I mean, I think the numbers are six and a half to seven thousand US a ton, whereas five months, uh, 12 months ago, we could have got 22 for it. Now we can get 15. Still a very, very big margin of profit, excluding financing costs um, for our shareholders. So we believe we can produce for European market a safe, uh, green, very green uh, supply of lithium hydroxide to the European market without any uh, problem with geopolitics. If the suppliers, for example, I think we saw seven months ago uh, the Argentinian government slapped a tax on, I think it was 10% or 12% on every export, including lithium. So if you're a lithium producer in Argentina, you've just dropped 12% of your profit.
0: Yeah, but they're also producing at $3,000. So they they got some margin, lowest quartile producers, right?
1: Well, in Chile they are. In Argentina not so, but in Chile yes. Okay, right. But Chile is very un, un- environmentally friendly. Meaning what? Well, they're they're producing this from um, brines, which takes up a lot of water and which is causing all the grief with their local population, and they don't want any of those mines to be increased because of the amount of and if you've seen a brines uh-huh. uh, production facility, it's pretty ugly uh, to the environment. So environmental ours is all underground, so we can get a big green tick, and we're producing hydroxide for EVs or other um, uh, environmentally friendly uh, industries. Right. So I think we get a number one a big green tick. I think number two uh, with the German. Uh, car manufacturers, for, except, uh, for, for example, uh, I think one got into a bit of trouble uh, investing in some cobalt mine in DRC for fear of.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's kind of so, a well well trodden path as regards to cobalt and DRC and child labour and, yeah. and so forth. So but let's not let's let's stay away from that. Let, let's get into this. So I, what I want to understand is, how does your project get? Finance today. I know you did a raise earlier in the year. Um, the terms of which. If I just talk about that. what are the terms of that? It was a ten million bucks was mentioned, but it was it was a bit more complicated than that, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a financing facility that um, we can draw down on, and it really depends. It's complicated because it depends on the share price at the time. They get a ten. Discount to the sh- right. to the market. Okay. so we're selling at ten cents; they get it at nine cents, mm-hmm. uh, and they don't do it all at once. So we've got the facility there; they can do it when they feel like it. So, so you, you know, we we we've only drawn down on that facility uh, two million so dollars. We've got eight million dollars,
0: and go. you can draw down in one million dollar tranches upon yes. conversion of the notes from previous rounds. That's the way Correct. that works. So when they
1: finished, when they finished. Uh, <clears throat> Um, selling those, uh, if you like, to recoup their money, we can then draw down the next
0: one. Got it. Okay, so it's it's a re- real stagger. So it's not ten million bucks per se. It's a it's a facility, as you said. Yeah,
1: it's it's a facility, and uh, it it can last three years.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. So let's come back to financing, because I'm re- that's a bit that fascinates me. Is at sixteen thousand bucks or fifteen thousand bucks, you've shown your what the economics are here for you. But if I'm a banker, so used to be. Um, I'm discounting that. I'm discounting the, the today's price by up to 40%. So it becomes um, a question of, can you persuade people that your thesis about price going up is, is true? Um, and if you can, that's great. If you can't, then you know what are your options in terms of getting this thing financed and once your DFS is complete? Yeah.
1: Well, number one, uh, the DFS will Say whether we're robust enough. Okay. So if the DFS comes out saying Tony, this is a very marginal project, uh, you know, I wouldn't go to any bank with this. Right? That, that's one scenario. Yeah. We're expecting the opposite because the pre-feasibility study was very robust. So I'll have a very robust DFS. So I mm-hmm. go to the bank and I will say, this DFS proves there's a 40% margin in this. How much can you project finance this? They will say this much. Uh, We will seek some EU funding, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's a soft loan, whether it's a. uh, Well, uh, tell tell us about uh, that.
0: Tell us about that. You you talk about the German ministry putting a a battery production funding program together of a billion euros. That's quite a lot of money. But how much of that would be, how much of that would be applicable to you? Not in terms of the, the quantum, but how how much of that billion would be set aside for mining per se.
1: Uh, unknown. Uh, if we for example, link up with uh, a battery manufacturer as a joint application for use of this funds, mm. it might be a, a larger number. As a miner, it's by itself. I don't think we would be able to do it uh, by ourselves. So we'd have to link up with a maybe an end user. Uh, I'm just throwing out names. I don't want to be an, uh, an automaker maker in Germany. Or a battery maker in Germany, right? We could partner up and then apply for that. But separate to that, there's EU funding. It's called Horizon 2020, and uh, under that, there is a, a direct application for us as a critical mineral for Europe. We may be able to get a soft loan, uh, 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 or maybe a grant. We don't think a grant, but a soft loan. So that soft loan might be 50 million euros at uh, at, at a very attractive interest rate, which is probably almost zero. Uh, repayable mm. over X amount of years. So that so, would be in the uh, shape
0: of what equity or de- oh, sorry, debt? debt. Uh, You're no, saying no. it's repaid. Sorry, yeah. Um, and debt
1: that's re- debt, debt, debt. So at the same time, uh, say say the number is 400 million that we're looking for U.S. dollars. Okay. I will. we would do it, probably 70 million uh, of that in direct equity, and the rest in project finance and or uh, um, funding from uh, a source like. Horizon 2020, or the one billion fund from the German government.
0: How does someone like Horizon assess your um, y- 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 your project? Credibility. Well, your credibility. I'm well, sure it's fine, but you're, you're, it's your the economics of a project well, like this.
1: Well, the, the credibility of being the PFS that's already done, and the DFS that's coming. So that's where the credibility for Horizon 2020 as a government, semi-government. Uh, um, payment place, I suppose. I don't know what to call it because I'm, I'm not uh, an EU savvy, but we would have to present a case to them that number one, it's very good for Europe. Number two, it will create jobs in Europe. Number three, it is green. Uh, we're not going to hurt the environment by, by doing what we're doing. They're the three key criteria in the Horizon
0: 2020. We tick every one of those boxes. It's interesting that none of those criteria are about the economics it's what's no again
1: it's it's about creating jobs i mean if you look at virtually any government uh, around the world it's not really about economics it's about creating jobs i mean this is a a fiscal uh, uh, investment by uh, the eu into something that's going to create jobs and solve a problem um, albeit in a small way of producing a critical product for the european
0: industry so potentially, being relied on time. so potentially that type of money is quite important because it's, I'm not saying dumb money, but it's it's uh, it's money which has a different set of values or needs from say institutional money who does care about the economics because they're buying shares in your business, presumably on the equity side, or want some guarantees that you're going to be able to mine economically and pay back the debt. So that would, that would be, have those conversations been hard. I mean, how do you know the Horizon 2020's uh, um, interest well, in investing well, in something like you? Well,
1: because we've applied and uh, we've talked
0: to the right people at the right uh, agency and
1: mm. uh, we will await the outcome of the DFS. I mean, they've got a stringent program as well. They just don't, you call it dumb money, but <laughs> uh, that wasn't my phrase, but they just don't hand it out. We've got to have a document yeah. that shows that we will be economic, we will create jobs in a low, uh, job area, especially for the youth in near Wolfsburg in Austria, where we are. Um, so that would cr- create long-term three or four hundred jobs, short-term fifteen hundred during the construction phase. So we are going to create jobs in that. And if you go to the local government in that area, we've got two sets of uh, competing mayors who want us to build the plant on their side of the fence. So we've got so much support from the local government. Uh, we've got so much support from the Austrian government. Mm. Um, so now it's one step higher, which is the EU uh, in total. Um, and they've got so many other factors to look at. Geopolitics, which we've, talk- we've touched on, environment, which we've touched on, and most important jobs.
0: Yeah, Most important for them, but I'm talking about shareholders wanting to come in and, you know, yeah. invest yeah, in, if in we you get guys, that, right? If we
1: get that money, that's a big uh, chunk of shareholders will go, wow, that's great. That's 50 million 70 million whatever it is the number solved yeah. how are you going to get the other 300 and something million exactly so 70 of that's going to come direct uh, equity um, whatever the share price is at the time yeah. So, uh, yeah 70 million so that's what's that roughly 25% of it uh, we've done the numbers with banks uh, what they're looking at for the project finance side and they can project finance
0: probably 60% of the project Sorry, let me get this. Sorry, I want to get the numbers right. It's say 400 million required. You're getting potentially, potentially, let's just say for the sake of argument, 50 million bucks of debt from Horizon on a 70 30 equity debt, debt equity split, right? After that. Yep, okay, okay. Um, So I'm just trying to think, you know, as as a, a retail high net worth or family office person saying, looking at your company going, I think this is a great story. I'm going to invest. How how do I feel about Horizon 2020 coming in? I guess if they're putting 50 million towards the debt, great. Um, But it's still costing the company whatever I don't know whatever nominal rates that these people charge. Near zero, you're you're suggesting. That's that's great news. Do I look at that as some kind of endorsement of the project? I guess not. In the sense that it's about job creation and is it green, etc. So. I'd need to sort of see who else would be involved with this, I think is what right. I'd be thinking. So have you, you took about advanced, to say advanced stage discussions with some of the offtake agreements um, yep. as a means of, would that be pre-funding in terms of the offtake? I mean, who, who are the names involved with this? So kind of give me some comfort around the validity of the project.
1: Um, well, We've signed NDAs with these companies, but rest assured they're, they're, they're large German automakers. Mm. and. Um, uh, builders of uh, uh, batteries themselves is, is another uh, company and uh, uh, let's go for one other one which was um, in uh, the industry of producing electronic tools right if you like you know, I, I can't say names but that's the sort of industries we're talking about now the reason I don't pre-sell the offtake now mm. is once this DFS is done and people see how robust the project is you've got other suppliers around the world that pull. Here's a foothold into Europe. So if we've already sold our offtake pre the DFS, we won't be a takeover target. Okay. If I don't and the DFS comes out, here we are. There's a small player in Europe. It's only going to produce 11,000 tonnes of hydroxide per annum, but they're in Europe. Mm -hmm. They've got all these contacts. Wouldn't it be great to have in our portfolio? So if we'd already sold the offtake, it's very much more difficult to have that story. So I'd like to be in a position where we're um, completely transparent. We've got no offtake partner now. We don't want one now. Um, And we will wait until the DFS is done. And we can sign four agreements today if I wanted to. And a couple of those are outside of Europe. Um, But I don't want to sign one now for that reason.
0: Okay. No, I I appreciate the insight into the strategy and the thinking. That's that's um, well noted. So if I look at the project now, sixteen thousand dollars, which is what you've you've done the numbers on, and let's say it's roughly give or take that on any given day at the moment, you you've got a twenty five percent IRR, which is reasonable. Anything over twenty percent, you got got to be pleased with. Um, so, but you. That you're right on the margin then in terms, in terms of um, price in the market at the moment. So you're looking for this price appreciation to drive not only the IRR, but the NPV of this project up. Um, I'm, are there institutions that you're talking to with regards to, or you've begun conversations with in anticipation of what the DFS is going to tell you?
1: Yeah, we've got a couple of institutions already in the stock. They mm. bought um, through the last um, equity uh, raising we did. Um, so, they're sitting back. Um, I'm going to be completely honest now. Virtually everyone, the two major banks, European banks and two of the off-takers, want to wait for the DFS. Um, the Chinese obviously don't care about the, they've seen the PFS, they know it, robot, right? they will sign up. But we don't want to send concentrate from Austria to China. For four, five, six hundred dollars a ton, and it comes back into Europe uh, at sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars a ton. So we can take easy money now and breeze through the next six months, or we can hold tough, uh, like we have, uh, be true to what we want to be able to do: finish the DFS, get a very robust DFS, and then go to the two major banks that we've talked to and say, right, this is it now. You've asked us uh, to be uh, our clients. Can you raise x amount of dollars on this IR based on this final report from
0: DRA? Oh, so those are investment investment banks as opposed to debt providers. Got it. Okay. And and I guess the current investors are going to be very different from the types of investors you're looking for going forward, aren't they?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Completely different.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, At the moment, we've got uh, in. In Australia, we call them mums and dads. In Europe, they call family houses. So, we've got a lot of family house uh, investors uh, in Europe, based in Austria and Germany. Yeah. Uh, we've got a little bit of investment now that we're listed back in London uh, on the NEX, NEX, uh, and a few are coming through that. The reason we did that is to broaden our investment spread of investors from Europe, and a lot of family houses in London, and a lot of m- municipalities can't invest unless you've got some sort of listing in London. So we chose the next because it was the quickest to get on. Mm. And since we were on, uh, it doesn't trade very well because most of the family houses buy on the Frankfurt exchange where we trade millions and millions a day.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I understand that. Um, <clears throat> I guess it's, it's cheap and quick on Max, but doesn't necessarily, as you say, trade or give you the volume of liquidity you, no. you, you need. Correct. So how much cash are you sitting on? one7
1: <laughs> 1. 1.8 million in the bank right now. Uh, our next drawdown is one million, which should come through by the end of uh, October, halfway through November, uh, and that will continue. So, in a, in another three or four weeks, we can draw down another million. Uh, oh, so, they, on the, so, so they let you, you know
0: they, they let you know how they're how they're doing with regards to selling down. Well, the... we,
1: we we see it because they have to come through us to convert their shares. Right, so we know, and we obviously got the register, so we know when they're selling. Okay, so we know when they'll. Uh, Okay. So, so we're okay for now. Um, would we want a different funding partner? Maybe. So, you know, there's lots of different options on the table. We're not going to say we're stuck with this one, but this one will suit us for the time being until we finish the DFS.
0: Right. Okay. 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 So, I mean, just that you mentioned a second ago, you know, part of your strategy here, which is, you know, you don't necessarily want to take, um, you know, pre- um, offtake partners on board yet until you. Get clarity on the DFS because then you'll understand what your options are. I mean, what, what what else are you doing with regards to saying, look, you're you're a small lithium player, global player. Okay, you're in Europe. That's a USP for, for you, or you're positioning it such anyway. Um, but what do you what do you do? Some companies choose to hunker down to price, this price discovery. You know, the the price of, you know, gets back up to where it's going to go. Um, or some people like charge on at 100 miles an hour, or some people JV. You know, what's going on with the boards thinking here? I mean, what what are the things keeping you awake at night, Tony? <laughs> um, well, the, the the biggest one right now, believe
1: it or not, is again geopolitical because everything affects everything in this world. I mean, uh, Trump's fight with uh, Xi Jinping. Uh, everyone should be worried about. The whole world should be worried about. We well, really.
0: yeah, That's why gold's um, gone up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, $1,500. I mean, I've been reading reports over 3,000 uh, announced by mid next year. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that. But, you know, if I'm thinking purely of business, that is my number one concern. Um, China already has proven uh, with this rare earth announcement that it will try and hold the rest of the world to ransom if it doesn't get its way. Trump is belligerent, um, on the other hand, and he wants his way. So look, that negotiation is very, very important for a lot of things uh, in, in, in commodity prices uh, around the world. So, uh, that's one thing that keeps me awake at night. Um, I think part of the reason that uh, the US now says, oh, I want to buy Greenland, because um, they know there's a whole lot of rare in Greenland. Um, so, uh, so that's just one, maybe a parody or joke from him, but he's quite serious about uh, getting investment in, in Greenland. And I think now uh, with the Australian Prime Minister going to to, uh, visit Trump, he's come out and said, we want to really be involved in lithium, uh, cobalt, rare earths with anything to do anywhere in the world with any Australian company. So geopolitically, I think there will be a resolution uh, coming up, whether it's uh, in Trump's favour or Xi Jinping's favour, China's favour, who knows. But that will settle a lot of the Nervousness. You'll see gold maybe come down a little bit, uh, but um, I think everyone then will think, well, China's ready to go again. We just saw the spurt in iron ore prices, for example. You know, let's just pick that one. It went from sixty dollars a ton back to one hundred and twenty-five yeah. because they have got rid of their stockpiles, right? And, and they needed it very quickly. Yeah. If there is some sort of resolution, China will uh, need to fiscally uh, uh, spend money again, and that will increase the iron ore price. But that goes on. other things if they're building a million buses they still need iron ore but they still need lithium so i look at the whole of the world uh um and and think about things that can happen can cannot happen for the board we've got a very good project in a very good country the government of austria wanted to go ahead the local government there wants to go ahead we've had no environmental issues come um For for us, I mean, you know, being in Europe, you see every time there's a new mine set up, there's greenies everywhere trying to stop the houses. Not like that, it's all underground. Um, So I think we're in a unique position uh, to go ahead, finalize the the, the DFS, have a document that we can present to project financiers, institutions that will take uh, chunks in an equity raising, and obviously go to the $1 billion fund people out of. Germany and also the Horizon 2020 out of the EU. So I'm looking forward very positively and I believe that the Lithium price will start to move upwards from January next year.
0: We shall see, I guess. We shall see. Okay. I think lots, lots of people um, want to see some kind of some sort of movement there and, you know, and then it's a case of what happens next. Do we get a slew of Lithium miners coming into market or not? Uh, and how do you take advantage of your unique position in Europe? to be able to capitalise on that. Um, look, Tony, that's a great first introduction to the companies. You know, we, you know, we, we tried previously to um, catch up. I think our travel plans didn't coincide. So um, thank you very much. No, I appreciate Brilliant. your time. Thanks very much. No worries. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCats or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor.